good morning and Merry Christmas, or more accurately, two days after Christmas. Now, I realize that the title of this message is Twas the Day After Christmas, and that's artistic license, and as an English major, I'm allowed to do things like that, uh, because Twas two days after Christmas, then you're getting into kind of it doesn't sound as artistic or as poetic and all of that, and obviously that's important. But there will be a point there. Uh, I hope that everyone had a wonderful Christmas. I hope that uh, your living rooms don't look like the title screen, or maybe they do. Uh, I'm not somebody who decorates, actually, because then you just have to take it down, but I know that I always picture, like from the TV shows or Christmas vacation or anything, uh, people's homes right after Christmas with all the the wrapping paper everywhere, and and then you're just like, eh, I don't want to do anything, and it's just there. And, And so that's not what I'm going to talk about. I am going to talk about how we should live after Christmas, and so I'm going to go to Luke Chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over uh, Eternia and Trachonitis. Lysanias was ruler over Abilania. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went, John went from place to place uh, on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. So I always love Luke. Uh, It's probably my favorite gospel, although obviously I like all of them. But I love how he sets things historically. Like he really puts things into perspective. And he starts out by saying, you know, this is the rule of Tiberius. Now Tiberius was known for being very cruel. Uh, Many of the Roman emperors were, obviously. But Tiberius was kind of above and beyond on that. Uh, Pontius Pilate was a, a governor around now. Now we know about Pontius Pilate. And while you may have had some questions near the end, he still was not a good person. He wasn't a nice person. Uh, He was very brutal. He was known of as very brutal. Herod obviously was corrupt. He was out for his own interests. He wasn't a great person. So we see a lot of corruption. We see a lot of anger. We see a lot of uh, people in charge that maybe shouldn't be in charge. This is taking place around AD 27 through 29. Now, the worse, uh, other than the leaders, the, the world leaders, the area leaders, other than that, he mentions the high priests, Caiaphas and Ananias, and they were also corrupt. Now, they are supposed to be the examples. They are supposed to be doing what John the Baptist is doing. They're supposed to be preparing the way for the Messiah, preparing the way for, for Jesus, although even if they didn't believe in him yet, and he hadn't started his, his uh, ministry, but they were supposed to be pointing towards God. And unfortunately, they were pointing towards themselves. Uh, they were more interested in power politics than they were in serving God. And so this is the world that John was, was ministering to. When John the Baptist was called, when, when God said, hey, son of Zechariah, and we remember the Christmas story and how he was a part of it, his birth. And when he was called out into the world to preach, out into the world to do this, out into the world to prepare the way, this is his world. Uh, There was corruption, there was evil, Uh, people didn't like each other, people didn't trust their leaders, their leaders didn't care for the people, Uh, some of the the religious leaders were only out to serve themselves. Now, does that at all sound familiar? Now, obviously, you can look at different points through time, and you can see that this is always the case, because corruption is always a part of the world, and evil is always part of the world. 
And so John was facing that. And I bring that up because we face that every day. We face corruption. We face evil. We face people looking out for themselves. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in that. Now, in the days leading up to Christmas, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, in the months leading up to Christmas, depending on when you start playing the music, uh, it's, it's very much, and not everybody, but a lot of people, and especially Christians, get into the, you know, joy, on, joy to the world and peace to all men. Peace to everybody, and we feel a little bit better. Uh, maybe when we're driving and we cut off, somebody cuts us off, instead of yelling, we just kind of uh, make a noise to ourselves, or we lightly honk instead of honking a hundred times, or we have a little grace when the NCAA doesn't give Indiana the bowl they deserve and gives two, three lost teams above them, but, you know, stuff like that. And, and so all of these different things going into Christmas have a different perspective, especially in the period between Thanksgiving and Christmas, when we're really getting into the spirit getting into the spirit of the season. And so that is something that we look at. And then after Christmas, we immediately kind of go back and we fall back into the world because work starts again and breaks over and life is life and it's very hard. And so I just wanted to say that John, he didn't have all of the same things we face, but he faced those same type of struggles, those same type of questions, those same type of worries. Now he was an important figure. He was even prophesied about. Uh, it is... I would imagine it's a very crazy thing to know that there's a prophecy about you. Uh, to know that the, way back in the Old Testament, hundreds, maybe thousands of years before you were born, uh, it, it's talked about that you're going to be born, that you're going to exist, that you're going to do something. And then for his parents to tell him, to know that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming, to know that he was going to have a role in that, you know, he had to really feel the power, the importance of that moment. A lot of people... Uh, aren't prophesied about, and they still, when they're told how important they are, how important uh, other people think they are, their egos get a little big. Uh, as the kids say, they smell themselves a little bit. And, you know, everybody loves when I talk like a kid. But they smell themselves a little bit. They get a little too big for their britches, as my great-grandma would say. Uh, and John could have done that. Because if he said, you know what, Jesus is obviously the, the biggest deal, but I'm a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm more, uh, the Pharisees aren't talked about in prophecies. The, the, the Tiberius and the leaders, they're not talked about in prophecies. People should listen to me because I'm important, because I'm powerful. And yet, instead of doing that, he focused on his message, which was a message of redemption, a message of pointing people towards Jesus. That was his entire goal. Not to point people towards himself, towards his importance. Not to start each message with, hey, I am a pretty big deal. And I'm going to tell you why I'm a big deal. And then at the end, we'll talk a little bit about Jesus. But instead to say, hey, Jesus is coming. And that is what we think about towards Christmas. And that's what I want to talk about as we go forward. I want to go to verse 7. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That that means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, what should we do? At the time, the Jewish leaders and the, the Jewish followers, they believed strongly, and this is why John opens kind of hot, they believed very strongly that the problem is them. Not, not them, us. But like, Everybody else is at fault for why we're not doing better. Uh, that, that person over there who, who doesn't believe in God, 
they are causing me to not be very graceful. They are causing me to not be very forgiving. They are causing me to not be a better person. That person over there who disagrees with me, it's their fault that I got mad this morning. That person over there who cut me off, that person over there who did this, that person over there, it's their fault. In my life, and I joke about being old, and I do feel old at times, but I'm not realistically old in terms of numbers, uh, which I'll never talk about, but still, I have heard lots of Christians on TV and, and lots of powerful people talk about how it's somebody else's fault why things are the way they are. Uh, it, it's no secret that at times uh, church attendance isn't what it is. Now, obviously, this year is different. But throughout all churches, there can be periods of ebbs and flows. There can be times, especially around Christmas, Easter, when a lot of people are coming. Because that's when we're really feeling it. That's when we're really showing it, maybe. And then other times where, you know, summer vacation or uh, something else going on or something comes up. Or you just don't feel like it and it happens. And so, we, in those times, a lot of people are looking for, for the answers as to why. A lot of people look for the answers as to why the world's not better, why the country isn't better, why the state isn't better, why the home isn't better, why schools aren't better, what the problem is. It's this, it's that, it's this. People were still doing that then, and they were pointing to everyone else. Now, I have been told this, and I've heard this, and I'm going to try to get the saying right. When you point, and this is pointing, uh, three fingers are pointing back at you, and then your thumb's just somewhere, depending on how you point. But three fingers are pointing back at you. Now what that means is, whenever you're blaming someone else, most of the blame goes to you. Does that mean that no one else causes problems in your life? Does that mean that no one else hurts you? Does that mean that no one else uh, affects negatively who you are? Does that mean that no one else bullies, that no one else hates? No, it doesn't. One of the things, and I've talked about this frequently in the youth messages with the political season going into the election, one of the things you would hear, especially on the commercials and the debates, was not necessarily, this is what I can do better. It was, this is why they are ruining everything. This is why they are the worst person. This is why that party is awful. This is why those people, why those believers, why those non-believers, why blah, blah, blah. There is always some truth when someone else does something. We can absolutely blame people for a lot of things. But it is always our choice how we react. And so that's why John was upset. He was not upset that the people were there seeking redemption. He wanted that. He was not upset that the people were there wanting to get baptized. He wanted them to do that. He was upset that all he heard his entire life was, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. And we see that in our political leaders, in our world leaders. We see that all the time. There's always a reason. Our job as Christians, is not to say, well, they started it. It's not to say, well, that party is doing it, that side is doing it, that group is doing it. So it's not really our fault. It's to say, okay, how would Jesus do this? How could we point the way to Jesus? And going into Christmas, as I've said, we really feel that. We really are more forgiving, more graceful. And then the day after Christmas, twas the day after Christmas, we're like, ah, it's back to life. It's back to the world. I remember when I was a kid, uh, when I would get presents from Santa Claus. And that's why I'm going to stop there. No spoiler alerts if there's little kids watching. Uh, presents from Santa Claus. I would open them, and then we'd have to go to Columbus to, to be with family. And so my presents are at home. All I want to do is play with the toys. And we're taken away. And it just completely ruins everything. 
And sometimes we kind of act like that. It's like, well, I'm going to be so peaceful and so happy and so loving. And then Christmas. And then the day after Christmas, ah, I don't care about those people anymore. It's over. I don't, I don't get a present from them. I'm not going to get a card from them. They don't have to see me again. It's just me now. And we don't always say that with our words, but we do it with our actions. The world definitely feeds into it. And John knew all of this then, just as we know it now. And he felt the urgency of the message. He knew that Jesus was coming. And he knew that the Pharisees and Tiberius and Rome and, and the priests were trying to stop that. He knew all of that. He wasn't prophetic like Jesus. He didn't know everything, but he understood the times. And he felt that urgency. And so he goes hard. And he's like, guys, what in the world are you doing with your lives? You have to understand that we have to be better. Now, he was kind of weird. He wasn't polished. He wasn't perfect. He ate locusts and honey. Uh, we don't do that anymore. If you do, more power to you. Uh, he dressed weird. He acted a little weird. But none of that mattered because his message was powerful and his message was truth. And he pointed it out. He lived. He saw the problem. And what that tells me is you do not have to be perfect. You don't have to be polished. You don't have to be in a suit and tie or a dress and bonnet. You don't have to, to be what everybody else expects. You just have to live out the message and point to Jesus. And that's what he did. It doesn't matter what day of the year was. And he pointed it out. And so people do what they always do. They ask the question. And you see at the end, the last part that I read there is, what should we do? Uh, there are a couple ways to read that. You can read that as, oh my gosh, what, what should we do, John? But I believe that most people ask it the same reason, the same way that the rich young ruler in Jesus' parable, rich young man in Jesus' parable asked it, the same way that we as kids ask it. What's the least amount of stuff that we can do in order to be on the right side? What is the least hard path? And that's not to say that... that None of us do hard things or face hard things because we do. It's not to say that we don't live right because we try. But how often, instead of saying, well, I'm just going to love everybody, do we say, how much do I have to love them? Again, not with our words, but with our actions. And so that's what they're asking John. They're like, okay, listen, all of those people are making it hard on me. All of those people are being rough to me. All of those people are saying bad things. All of those people are posting negative things about people I like. So how much can I hate them? How much can I post? How much can I, I just really kind of argue? And then so John has an answer in verse 11. John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. I love this part because, as I said, people are asking kind of for the, the minimum amount they have to do. And John kind of gives them that, but not the minimum amount that the world would expect. Not cheat them a little bit, not take a little bit for yourself. But, hey, you know, you're taking taxes. Don't take any more than you're supposed to. That's Super easy. Like, that's super easy. That's in the job description. That's literally what we're supposed to do. And then they come up and they're like, hey, well, what should we do, the soldiers? And he's like, don't extort money. Don't lie. And it's like everybody else listening is like, yeah, tax collectors. Yeah, soldiers, that's what you should do. And we would stand up and be like, yeah, that's right. Because, again, we always focus on them. 
not on us. And, I, and I'm going out of order in what he said, but he also said, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have extra food, share it. That's hard. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, tax collectors, they cheated me. Or, or the soldiers, they did this. Or the, the, the people in charge of that company, they do that. And it's just not fair. The politicians, they do this. What should I do? Because I'm not as bad as them. Love people. Well, yeah, but, but how much? Love them completely. Well, yeah, but I mean, what if I don't like them? Well, you don't have to like them. And this is what John is saying, and this is what we still say today. And it's so basic. Even though we all, and myself included at times, look for the minimum path, the real path is still so simple. It's common sense. Because there are hard things to do. It's very hard to love everyone. Going to Christmas for a second, uh, I would imagine, and I've seen it when I was a kid, but not since I've been an adult, Christmas prep is not just work. There's a lot of work that goes into it. People string lights. Uh, people put up trees and poinsettias, I believe is what they're called. Uh, people do all kinds of Christmas stuff. And as a family, you, you hang ornaments. I know that each week uh, on Tuesdays at Stepping Forward, we gave out ornaments uh, for the, the Advent, Love, Joy, Peace, and Hope. And I would take one of them to give to Beatrice. And so I remember the first week I took it to her, and, and she was so excited because she had this little ornament. And Amber's tree, my sister, uh, it had lights and ornaments about this high up and up because below, they're coming down. And so I would hand it to her, and she's like, oh, I don't know what this is, but it's so awesome, except she didn't say that in real words. Uh, and, and I showed her, I took it, and I hung it on the tree. And what she did was she took one of her little toys and put it on the tree next to it. So decoration is a thing. Getting ready is a thing, and it's a lot of work for a lot of people. Like when you really go into it, it can be a, a, a big deal. It can be hard. And then it's not just about that, though, because when we're getting ready for Christmas, the kids, we tell them, be good or you're not going to get presents. And I've heard one of my favorite things, and if I ever had kids, I would have done this. Uh, you, you have like a bunch of presents out there that are just empty boxes wrapped, and if they do something they're not supposed to do, you throw one of them into the fire. Now, I wouldn't actually do that because it's basically torture, but it's funny for me to picture that. Uh, and so I hope that you don't do that. If you do, please share videos. But um, anyway... There's a lot of prep work, and so for the kids, it's be good. For adults, it's like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm going to work extra hard, or I'm going to, to be extra kind, because I really want people to go to church, or to watch church, or to, to just feel good this season. And it's been a really hard year. Uh, I would encourage you, or challenge you, depending on your feelings, to listen to the Christmas songs that have been playing nonstop since, like, July, and, and listen to them, and listen to the messages, and listen to what they say. And most of them are essentially, be good to people. Uh, peace on earth, love God, and then also do good things. Help people to feel better. A and we hear those and we prepare. And then the day after, see I told you I had a point with the title. The day after, the day after it's back to what's wrong with them? Yeah, the tree's done, I don't care. I don't have to be good anymore. Uh, I don't have to treat them better. How can I change them? How can they be better? Our, our New Year's resolution, it'd be so much easier if we'd be like, well, this is how they should change. This is how the people at my work, this is how the people at my school, this is how the people at my family, this is how the people that I know, this is how the people that I don't know, this is how the people I don't like, this is how they should change. There's a thing that I've seen where, where people sometimes wrap joke gifts in a really nice box, and reverse. 
But so you've got like this really cool box. I knew somebody who had, I think it was some kind of like a piece of candy or something, and he wrapped it in like a ring box and then wrapped that in a nice box. And so, you know, when he gave it to somebody, a girl, it's like, you know, he, oh, he has this ring box and she gets excited or scared, depending. And then it's just a piece of candy. And there's stuff like that. We see stuff like that. And it's funny. White elephant gifts. Shifty Santa is what I've done. John, though, was an example of the good gift in a joke box. Whereas the Pharisees are out there and they're wearing everything really nice and they look fancy and they look like followers of God. They look prepared to, to be good. They look like pre-Christmas. But they're living like after Christmas. John, however, he's kind of dirty and smelly and, and weird, like I said, and yet inside he's the nice presence. He's a PS5. Feel free to send me one if you have one. But he is the great gift. And yet everything John said was just basic common sense. It was good, powerful common sense. And we wish that it were common sense. But it's not even common sense for us sometimes. It's basically, hey, how can I get into heaven? Follow Jesus. Well, how can I be more like Jesus? Treat people better. Be kind. Don't yell. Don't lie. Don't steal. All of these simple things. And that's what John was saying, not because John had that idea, but because of what was coming. And we're going to verse 15. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chafe from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chafe with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to people. Again, how can I change them? My opinion is necessary. I, just look on Facebook, maybe right now. Uh, how can I fix this? Well, this is what I do. This is what you should do. Be more like me. If John had done that, maybe we don't talk about him today. Instead, he's like, hey, this is what's wrong. Be more like Jesus. Look to Jesus. Jesus is coming. Listen to him. You see, John's message mattered, but not because it was coming from him. His opinion mattered, but not because it was his opinion, because he took it from the power of the Lord's word, of God's word, of Jesus' life. And his life matched up to it. We live so often like what we say, what we think is what saves people. Like what we post is what will change people's lives. It's not. It's not. We just need to point to Jesus. It doesn't mean never have an opinion. It doesn't mean never share your opinion. It means remember why you're doing it. Remember who you're pointing to. And the key word in all of that was the good news. You see, Jesus came not to condemn us, but to save us. And so why then do so many of us feel like, well, let's condemn? It's supposed to be good news. It's not be like me. It's be like Jesus. 2020 was a difficult year. We're near the end, just a couple more days, although I heard a rumor that they might add like another couple months to 2020 for the first time. We'll see. Curious how many people just kind of believe that. Anyway, so 2020 was a difficult time. And in Christmas time, even at Christmas, we're looking for hope. We're looking for, well, when are things going to get better? When are things going to open up? When can we go back to church? When can this? When can that? And that's good. Now, January isn't Christmas. Breaking news. But we still need to show more Christ 
in the rest of December, in the rest of January. We need to live like Christmas every single day. And 2021, I've seen a lot of memes and a lot of stuff about 2020, it's the worst, and let's pretend that it's not happening, and let's forget this, and let's move on, and 2021, yay. 2021 is not about forgetting 2020. It's about remembering the lessons that we learned. It's about remembering that there are people hurting. It's about remembering that there is more to life than money, more to life than anything but love, but Jesus. It's about learning, growing, moving forward. It's about being better. And the day after Christmas isn't about cleaning up, clean up, but it's about carrying the gift. Like I said, when I was a kid, I would open all my toys, and I'd be so happy, and then, hey, we gotta go, but I'd take one toy with me. And that enabled me to get through family time. But I would take one toy with me, because it was important, it was my favorite one, for whatever reason. Probably because it was a He-Man toy or a Transformer or something. But it was so cool to be able to carry that with me. Well, after Christmas, after New Year's, you're going to go back to work. You're going to go back to life. And at some point, we're going to be back into some semblance of normalcy. Carry this with you. Carry what you've learned. Carry the love. Carry the gift. Carry the message. Carry the light. Every day should be Christmas. Not with the decorations and music, please. But every day should be like Christmas. One last scripture, and then I'm going to wrap up. I'll be done. Uh, Luke 6, 27 through 31. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are being taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. This is Jesus talking. And everything he just said was upside down then, and it's still upside down now. It's not what society would say. It's the opposite of what society would say. It's the opposite of the least hard way. And yet live by this in 2021. Live by this in 2021. Love your enemies. Agape love. Unconditional love your enemies. Love people that disagree with you. Love people on the opposite side of the aisle. Love people that are different. Love people that are annoying. And then show that love without question. Give that love without question. It's not always about giving money. It's about giving love, about giving hope, about giving peace, about pointing the message towards Christ. Very simply put, treat others better. And if you're like, well, I'd do my best now, good, good. Do a little better. Make 2021 about improving not everybody else and not the world and not the, the, the year. Improving yourself. Improving how you live. Improving how you treat others. Improving how you point to Jesus. Because just like John, we're all a little bit weird. We all smell a little bit sometimes. Maybe that's just me. But we're all a little bit different. And yet... We're all here, and we all have this chance to make 2021 different, not because it's not 2020, but because we all carry that gift from Christmas, that feeling from Christmas, that spirit from Christmas, each and every day, each and every day, pointing the way to Jesus, pointing the way to be like John, to be like Jesus, to do everything we can to show everyone 
that love, that unconditional love, that amazing, transforming love that we feel. And then to just simply do the absolute best that we can do. That's all I got. Uh, Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us together. I, I realize that it's virtually and not together together, but I thank you so much for bringing us together in this way. And for giving us a chance to share your word. For giving us a chance to share the music that came before me. For giving us a chance to share this time. Because I think, Lord, if we've learned anything in 2020, it's that time is precious. And I hope that we learn that people are precious. And I hope that we show that you are precious and your love is precious. And please, Lord, help us to do better. Help us to learn and grow and to be better. Help us to celebrate Christmas each and every day with the way that we live, with the way that we treat others, with the way that we show your light, with the way that we point to you. Help us to move forward, Lord, in your name, in your love, showing it in every possible way. In your name we pray. Amen.